Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Malm. I've got Josh Watson on with me today. And also, Chris Frank, who is our internal compliance officer, deals a lot with our annuity and life insurance agents. And we wanted to bring him on today because we're getting a lot of questions about this new NEIC best interest rule, what it really means for you all, what you should be doing to protect your business. So welcome, Chris. We're glad to have you. Thank you, Jamie. It's good to be here. So give me an overview. Obviously, this is not the first time in the last few years that we've seen some potential changes and recommendations for um, rules to be passed. Regulatory environment is never going away. How does this NEIC best interest rule differ from like some of the things that we saw over the last few years with the DOL and other things that didn't quite make it through? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and as you as you mentioned, it has been kind of a this standard of care issue with um, suitability and best interest and fiduciary advice. That's been around for the last oh maybe five to ten years, and um, and it's taken a while for the regulators to to come out with um, a rule that applies to annuity transactions specifically. Um, so. You know, they, they have or they currently in some states have the, the suitability rule um, and agents are all very familiar with that. And that that goes to filling out the, the suitability form as part of the um, application paperwork, uh, collecting things like the, the client's um, income, assets, liquid assets and information like that. Um, but but now um that suitability model rule is being amended to a best interest rule. So tell me, as I think some confusion happens here where, you know, we're getting questions on, well, I've heard the states can choose to adopt the rules or not. Where does this fall into uniformity across all 50 states? Yeah. So this rule was passed by the, National Association of Insurance Commissioners, the NEIC, which is the primary rulemaking body in the insurance industry. And so the NEIC drafts model rules and then the states can individually adopt those rules. And with a rule like this, like, like this new best interest rule, it's likely that the vast majority of states will eventually end up adopting it and it will be the the norm um for all uh carriers and states that are out there so I, I think currently it is in effect in two states iowa and arizona and there are many other states that are pending uh, action uh this year um so by the end of this year i expect 15 to 20 states to have to have formally adopted this as their new rule 
So I know I'm hearing a little bit about this grace period between, you know, now and this or when this rule was adopted to the end of the year. Are you saying that there are two states in which it already is enforced and there is no grace period and you expect more states to come on and enforce that before the end of the year? Or is everybody falling under a grace period until the end of the year? Yeah. Um, so uh, this rule is really uh, based on individual states. Um, so, yeah, there are two states that are currently in effect. And in those states, and, in, and actually in all states that end up adopting this rule, um, producers will be notified about this one-hour training that's required to, um, to comply with the new best interest rule. So producers that are in Iowa and Arizona um, likely have already gone through that training and are up to speed on this best interest rule. Um, and others, as other states work to adopt a new rule, producers will be notified by, by us and by, by uh, the carriers in those states that, that they're now falling under best interest. So for this NAIC rule, um, there is no, no real grace period. Um, for the DOL, there, there is a grace period until the, the end of the year. Okay, so let's talk about the difference between those two a little bit, because I think that's where many are getting confused. There's so much communication going out on this from, you know, different entities, and I'm seeing different things float around there. And I think there's confusion between the two. Can you just take a moment and kind of go through the differences between the two? Yeah, absolutely. So essentially, there are two rules out there. And they're both dealing kind of with the same issue of um, best interest or, or fiduciary advice. Um, and I think we talked a little bit here about NEIC, which um, is the insurance rule for annuity transactions. Um, and so that would apply for all annuity applications that are written would, would fall under this best interest rule. Um, if, if you're in a state that has adopted the rule now, the other rule is the, the DOL, the Department of Labor fiduciary rule um, that's been around for a few years in, in various forms, but never was actually finalized or adopted until, until recently. Um, this last month in February, uh, the DOL finalized the, the, the DOL fiduciary rule. Um, with it going into effect uh, in February. However, they are, they are um, observing a, a grace period for individuals and firms to, to come into compliance with the rule. And the, and the rule does not become um, enforceable until December 20th of this year. So it is confusing that there are these two rules kind of simultaneously being adopted and uh, they're, they're very similar in the requirements that they have. I do think that's where most of the confusion is coming from. And the other thing I get asked a lot, and Josh, maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but I know we have investment advisors that are saying, look, I already fall under all of this regulation and I already am a fiduciary and I already have all these things that I document that shows I have a responsibility to act in the best interest of the client. 
Do investment advisors have to do anything different with this DOL rule or are they already covered? Yeah, it, it really is. There is, uh, it is confusing how, um, you know, there are these different standards and then also, you know, depending on your licensure, uh, what trying to figure out which rules and which standards apply to you. Um, so for, uh, investment advisors, yes, the DOL does impact them as well, or it, it does, um, uh, regulate, um, their advice as well. So, the DOL rule does apply to a pretty broad uh, array of licenses. It, it applies to investment advisors. It also applies to uh, registered reps working under a BD, and also and it also applies to um, insurance agents. But it it only applies on uh, transactions involving qualified funds. So there's even a little uh, adjustment in there too, where you not only have to look at your licensure, but then you also have to look at whether you're dealing with qualified or non-qualified funds. Right. And I think a, a way to remember that is DOL's Department of Labor. And when we're thinking about the Department of Labor, well, who do they oversee? Well, it would be your plans that fall under ERISA, like your your 401ks, your, your qualified funds. So that would be one way to help you remember how that applies. And then the best interest, of course, totally separate. And again, everybody falls into that. And it's my understanding that there are kind of four main requirements under that NEIC best interest. Can you go through those four a little bit so we help give some clarity around what the spirit of this is, what they're trying to make sure we, you know, document and protect consumers from? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the the new NEIC best interest rule, they, they did break it down into four main categories. Um, so the first category is care. And so care, uh, when they talk about care, they mean, um, you know, taking the effort and, and going through the process of obtaining your client's financial information. So uh, obtaining your client's financial situation, insurance needs, financial objectives, um, you know, and, and a lot of producers already do this, you know, through their fact finder or intake form. Uh, but the, the new rule um, formally requires that you do this under this care obligation. Uh, the second of the four categories is disclosure. So under the new NAIC rule, a producer also has to make certain disclosures to the client. Um, and this is actually found on a new form called Appendix A that will be part of um, the insurance carrier app packet. So you'll be seeing this form uh, as part of your carrier pa paperwork, but it, it requires you to disclose um, one, what your licensure is. Um, also, it requires a few other items. It does require that you disclose that you do receive compensation for the sale. It does not require that you disclose the amount of compensation. So there, there is that piece on the disclosure um, obligation. The third element of the rule is conflict of interest. So if you have a conflict of interest, you have to disclose it. Um, and that was all, that is also part of Appendix A. And then finally, the fourth element of the new rule is documentation. So 
keeping your files and, and keeping all this information in your client file to, to document the basis for your recommendation and uh, having that available to, to show to um, the carriers or, or anyone who asks a regulator, you know, it's, it's really important to have documentation in your file to support your recommendations. Okay. So let me stop you there and circle back a little bit, because if we have insurance only licensed producers that are listening to this, they may think, Oh, I already do that. Or you may be thinking, Oh, that's a little bit more than what I'm used to, but having a fact finder and making sure that you're actually gathering all the information required to make a recommendation should be the very basic of what we do. So that's number one, the disclosure and any conflicts of interest being disclosed, plus then documenting what you've gathered, investment advisors do that all day long. So there's nothing in those four components that is derailing sales in any way. I mean, investment advisors always have to do that. They're now applying it to any quote unquote investment professional, which includes the insurance only side. Correct? Correct. Did I miss yes. anything? Yep, okay. That's and yeah, Josh, so- uh, let me ask a quick question of Josh. So I know you've been getting a lot of questions from our advisors. Where do you think most of the confusion is coming from or where's the concern? Because for a big bulk of our agent force, they're already doing these things. So what are you hearing out there? Where do you think the confusion lies? So uh, there's been a lot of confusion just around the implementation date and when, you know, they actually have to start complying with these things. So that's been a big, uh, a big thing. Also just trying to figure out what they have to do or there additional forms they got to complete. You guys just answered a big one. Everybody wants to know, do I need to disclose my commissions? Uh, what's gradient doing to, uh, that's going to help us with this. So those are the types of questions I'm, I'm getting. And the great news is, I mean, the way gradients position, the way we're set up, in my opinion, and I honestly believe this, there is not a better financial services organization out there that can handle a rule and a regulation like this uh, as well as we can. So those have been the big ones that I'm hearing. And I think uh, another big thing is, you know, and we've kind of talked about this, the spirit of the rule is in the right place. So, hey, 90 and 99%, I would say, of the advisors out there do what's in the best interest of their client. We just got to be able to prove it moving forward. So I think there'll be, uh, there's definitely an adjustment period, but hey, we've got until December, what would we say, 20th to, you know, start complying with some of these things. So we've got some practice time here. And I think by the time it all rolls out, I I personally, I don't think it's going to be too, too huge of a deal, but we'll see. So I think one of the main questions here, Chris, is what do advisors and agents need to do? Do they wait on this Appendix A that's going to come from the carriers as part of the application kit? Or what do you recommend they start doing right now for both rules? Yeah, and that's a great, great question. And um, I think that's uh, uh, the main question that agents seem to be asking is, you know, what do I what do I need to do to comply with the new the new rules that are out there? And, uh you know, the, I think the, the, the best thing that they can do is to have a, a process in place um, that they follow with all their clients as far as um, 
uh, meeting clients, um, gathering their information, determining which product is the best uh, fit for them. And then, you know, ultimately the, the main piece is, is documenting uh, how they got to that recommendation and keeping that documentation in their file. Um, that's, I think that's really the key to both DOL and the NAIC best interest rule is, is this documentation piece. Um, so, you know, I think they, that agents can be proactive with that right now and start really focusing on, um, on having that documentation in their file. I don't think, uh, they need to wait to do that. I think that's something that they could start doing, doing now, even though, you know, the DOL, um, doesn't come into full effect until December 20th. And, and also some states have not adopted the NAIC best interest rule. Um, I think even with that in mind, I think agents can start doing this documentation piece now. Right. Which isn't being turned into anybody. Gradient's not asking for it. The carriers aren't asking for it yet, but it just makes good common sense always to document what you're doing. And if you can make that, you know, very transparent and accessible for your clients through technology, that's one of the things our advisors use all the time is generational vault, everything that you're doing for that client, the documentation of it, the copies, the communication, everything is housed in that generational vault, which is excellent from a compliance standpoint. Any last thoughts, either of you, on things that we can do to kind of make this implementation easier or clearer for our agent force, I should say? I think yeah. uh, just with the, yeah, with the NAIC rule, I don't, I don't see that one being too big of a deal. I think there's probably going to be another form uh, that the insurance companies will, you know, maybe require. Uh, as far as the DOL rule, I think all, like you said, it just comes down to documentation. We've done a good job of setting up systems and processes to help people do that. So uh, we should be in a good spot. And Chris, we have a form yeah. that is going to be available soon, right? For agents that need a little direction on what they should be completing for anything that any annuity recommendations involving qualified funds for the DOL rule? Yes. Yeah. Um, there will be a, a documentation form uh, where uh, an agent can fill out this form. Um, and basically what they would do is, would be to summarize um, why they are recommending this product to the clients. And then also for uh, rollovers, there are some questions about, um, why they are, are, are giving the recommendation to, to roll over funds from uh, an IRA or an employer plan into an annuity. Uh, so this is really a form that, that we're coming out with just to help guide producers on how to document um, their sales. It's not a, a required form and it's not a, a form that we're collecting or the carriers are collecting. It's, um, it's really just a tool to use that, um, that is, is really meant to help you comply with, with the new rule um, and this documentation piece. And is that something you would recommend that advisors get a signature on from the client or just something that they're keeping in the file, no signature needed? Yeah, a signature is not required on the form. With that being said, um, you know, I think it would be, it would be good to do that as well to, to get a, a client to sign the form uh, just to document uh, that you 
presented it to the client and that they, they read and understood it. Um, that that's always a good move as well to, to have a client sign that documentation form. I agree. And Josh, you touched on this, but 99.9% of advisors out there are probably already doing something like this. Um, they're always acting in the best interest and making recommendations based on what they're finding, but there are big holes in those that are actually documenting that. And when years go by and there is a question or a complaint or you have to go back and say, well, why was this in the best interest at that time? If you don't have that documented, it can be really difficult for you to address. And that's the spirit of it. We want everybody to be protected. We want the good business that you're doing to not be subject to uh, being questioned later. Um, So this helps protect you. It helps protect consumers. It isn't anything again that you're turning into gradient. It is something though that gradient will provide a form for if you need some direction on, you know, what kind of information should be in the client file. And then for the best interest rule, watch for a form to be included in the application. Like Josh said, probably no big deal, an extra form that will be in there. Um, The carriers will be providing that directly. So If you do have any questions, if you want to discuss this further, if you want to talk to Chris directly and and pick his brain a little bit, that's what we're all here for. Let us know. Um, And as always, you can reach us by going to theadvisorarena.com. You can email us. Our phone number is on there. If this episode was helpful, we always appreciate a rating, a review, hit the subscribe button if you want to be made aware of future episodes. So Chris, thank you for joining. Josh, thank you as always. And thank you everybody for listening.